Great to welcome in our good friend. He's a two-time winner on the PGA Tour. You've heard lots about him if you listen regularly as uh, Bob had a chance to caddy for him back in the day. And, you know, all too often, Bob takes credit for the success of one Keith Clearwater <laughs> back in the day. Keith, how are you? I'm fantastic, and, and well he should, for it was my best year on tour. And let's make that clear. My very best year, we could have had a lot of fun, even though we did have a lot of fun. We, we didn't get out of there without uh, – missing on a few wins <laughs> finished 22nd on the money list that year. And he read, he read every putt perfectly and uh, always beat me to my ball. So I don't know. I could ask for much more. All right. <laughs> so that takes care of the keep up part. And you added the, uh, the green reading. That's impressive. Yeah. Hey, so did yeah. you, Oh, let me ask you this just on that topic. Did you have other caddies read greens for you? Or was that just something you knew that you could rely uh, on Bob for? Entirely Bob. Not nobody else would read a green. Now I would get messed up. We just got into a rhythm and we, you know, if you're with each other long enough, uh, you read a putt, you make a decision. It works out like you both thought and you build confidence over time in that you're both seeing the same thing mm. and communicating the same thing. And that's the whole thing, learning to communicate, which, you know, some people, for whatever reason, a ball out to some is three balls out mm. is left le is left edge, you know? So it's really how you actually see it. And we just saw things, you know, spot on. So it was great. Kind of got to know which way you, you, you hit your putt too, right? I mean, it's hard to think yeah. about it, but it's true. Some guys hook putts, some guys slice putts, you know? So yeah, it's, I've, if you ever play with a partner and they want you to read putts, if you don't know much about them, you could say it looks like it's a, you know, cup out to me. But you know, if he starts it left of the hole and pushes it three cups, then that's not going to work out for him. Well, no, that's so true. You know, most people, it's been data proven that most people severely underread putts. Mm. You know, if you pick a line, you know, if you actually pick a straight through start line, most people on a three inch break. Or, or let's say a 10-inch break are seen four inches. And it's actually, if you started on a straight line, it's actually as much as 10. And they just don't see that because it's moving off that line immediately. So, yeah. uh, you know, it's a, it's you've really got to work with somebody who sees and knows and understands what's actually happening to, to agree with them, make it work. That's awesome. Yeah, hey, we had fun. Yeah, I'm glad you – I know, I've heard so many great stories uh, from, from, from that year. The best so. part was that I got on the bag for the last two rounds of San Diego because um, his caddy didn't show up. And we – what, yeah. we finished top – did we finish top ten that week? I think we did. Yeah, I'm almost certain we yeah. did. Then he says, like well, you're coming with me to L.A. next week. And he opened with 64 at L.A. at Riviera. Mm. And then – and then he goes, now you're coming with me to Florida. <laughs> so I just kept going. You basically so, earned your well, job every week. You got rehired every week is what you did. I did. I did. Well, so, I mean, I was, the biggest sadness for me was when 94 came around and he wasn't going to be with, or 93 wasn't going to be with me. And he had to like <laughs> actually be a dad and have real life stuff happen. It's like it messed my whole life up. Jeez, the reason, what could have been the reason I didn't get into the Hall of Fame. <laughs> oh my goodness! Wow, <laughs> that's a heavy weight to carry <laughs> around, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> the untold you know, story of what could have been the Keith Clearwater yeah, story. Right. That's right. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> hey. um, so Keith, uh, I wanted to get your take, you know, I know, you know, you've been away from the tour for a little bit, but 
as a you know a guy that's won a couple of times and been a part of this show for for a bit what do you what's your take kind of on where it's professional golf stands with the live golf split and and now the response or reaction by the PGA Tour it's uh there, there's so many moving pieces but i'm just generally speaking what's your thoughts about the state of professional golf and the tours relative to the things we just mentioned yeah i, I there's not an, an easy answer there's so many moving parts like you say and i i just uh i'm a believer in you know we're all uh independent contractors trying to make a living i mentioned to bobby the other day that you know, as much as I'm a loyalist and believe in standing behind something, when you have an opportunity to make significant money as with live, it's hard, you know, we, we can get injured and never play golf again. And to think you can somehow get generational money for your life, for your families, you know, and kids to come and settle that issue in life, that's a significant gift. And so I, I don't, uh, I don't down these players for taking that. Now on the other end, what the, how the tours responded, uh, you know, it's a, it's a pretty expensive retention tool. I think <laughs> you know, if you look at what they're doing, they're spending a lot of money to make sure they have a product in the future. And I think that's the biggest concern they have. They see people leaving and, uh, you know, John Rahm is much, you know, and there's a, some noise about some other players. Uh, I, I think they know they have to secure retention of all their players and get them bought in and a part of everything. So they're not going to leave. So they can't leave. So in the future they can sell their product and not fear with, you know, everybody that's investing in the game that they're going to leave because they need to know that there's going to be a product to put on the golf course. So I think that's what they're doing here. And yeah, I mean, it's a lot of money. I, I, I can't wait to hear your take. You guys have, uh, you know, seen it, looked at it, researched it, and it's early on. So we don't have all the answers or all, all the understanding, but I'd like to know how you're seeing it. And, uh, we can talk about that. You know what? The interesting thing is with all the money that's being thrown in and thrown at the game right now with the PIF, with, uh, with this, the strategic investment group, that kind of thing. Would you ever have envisioned that you could play as a tour member, you could play for $25 million for a purse for a single week and have it guaranteed? It's just great. It's crazy. The numbers they're playing for now is hard to believe. I mean, you have intimate, uh, you know, reality with that as your dad, you know, was one of the greatest players to ever play golf. And, you know, the numbers they played for and what they built and, you know, to know what they played for and even what they enjoyed after is, is just nickels, uh, compared to what these kids are getting just to play in one event. It's, it's just astonishing. So no, I never felt like, uh, we'd ever get to this point in playing for this type of money. You know, and also hearing what you're saying about being loyal and, uh, but understanding the money is there and, and, you know, it's hard to blame the guys. I just... Does it surprise you still a little bit that the tour would have to come up with this kind of money to, as you said, a, a, an expensive retention plan that people would have to be retained to play on the PGA tour? I mean, this is what everyone aspired to. And now it, it's somewhat, I guess, 
under attack, if you will, or maybe isn't the carrot that that it once was, and it just seemed to almost happen overnight. Do you did you see this coming? Did you think this was something that they've uh, they haven't addressed uh, properly the players over the years that led to this, or or does this should this have never even got to this point in your in your opinion? Well, I think this has been germinating for twenty five years with Greg Norman, and uh, you know, there's always been uh, rumors, talks about what's really going on, uh, Jay Monahan being paid whatever it was, 13 or 16 million and not having access to books. Uh, there's just been a lot of uh, talk about the kind of fracture that's there and what's really going on. So that along with uh, the possibility to make a lot of money, you know, I think it's hard for players not to look at that. And so it was always germinating. Greg always wanted something bigger, better for the elite players the tour all, you know, Jay had a chance to uh, make a move early on on this and he chose not to. And I think had he at least uh, been open to some dialogue and discussion about it, we may not be where we are. I think that was the early miss that Jay just missed opening that up because he really didn't think it would come to such a significant place like this. And uh, so he missed that opportunity where we could have had some normal, I don't know, merging of thoughts and merging of, money and uh, we missed that so uh yeah it's just uh it's always been there players have always wanted it the best players have always wanted it and uh, now now it's happened now that that better option came along better financial option in spite of the pga tour still having luster and being the place where you want to you know that's where history lies uh it's an interesting thing when uh when all of a sudden, three years before you were in college playing golf and you were a very, you know, young, excited kid. And now, you know, you're worth several hundred million dollars and that opportunity is there. It's just crazy. You know, you look at a John Rahm who's gone from what he was to now, you know, having that kind of earning potential. It's just crazy. And at the same time, he said he kind of, he's emotional about not playing these these tour events, you know, this week, last week, he was the defending, would have been the defending champ of these first, what, three of the first, like, three six events. events. Yeah. yeah. So he, I think he's having a little bit of buyer's, or at least he admitted he's got a little bit of a buyer's remorse, but obviously what's done is done. And I think, I think, personally, I think John Rahm took that deal feeling like his return to the PGA Tour would be, you know, relatively quick. And now I'm just not so sure it would be a bit of a shame to to not see John Rahm and some of those other players back on the PGA Tour again real soon. Oh, I agree completely, and you're right. He, anybody that's played, and you know, I, I have in the background turned on watching, you know, 16 at at Phoenix. You know, the stadium hole, the excitement, the fun, the history of that. Uh, you know, I remember playing there and finishing up really well. Uh, had people in the locker room say, "Nice win." And, uh, uh, anyhow, the wind switched it's a long story. I shot 66, the final round had it and finished fourth. But, uh, anyhow, such history, such fun, such excitement, uh, for, for these top players that now they're not a part of. Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, I, I know they're missing out, you know, and they're not televised. Those of us who are fans of those players aren't seeing them on a regular basis. So it really, it's hard to keep their relevancy. Yeah. No world ranking points either that's going to keep them relevant as far as the majors are concerned and that kind of thing? 
That's a big deal. I think that's the biggest deal of all. I, I don't know why they don't make a switch to four rounds and just get their points because that so many of the players were promised that went there that they would have access to, you know, the points. And now that they're not, they, you know, all the things that they, they're thinking they could play 14 of these events and play all the majors. And that's a phenomenal season. And, uh, and you know, they're all the top players and they want to play in the majors. That's how you establish any kind of history. And they, they, and the world of golf has kind of moved to where history is found in the majors, not in winning these, these auxiliary or ancillary events. And, uh, and now that they're not going to have, unless you've won one of them in the last five years, you're not going to have access to them. And uh, that's hard for a lot of these top players in the world to be shut out of the majors, which they always had access to. So that's something live has to solve. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. What What's your take on how they're going to come about bringing that to fruition? You're right. It's a format thing for me. Well, it's well. there's two things. It's a field size and, and it's a format, right? So right. I think having the limited field that they have, playing the three rounds, you know, it's the world rankings were set up before Liv ever came along. They knew what the rules were going into it. They wanted to create this something that was new. And by the way, I'm not completely against trying to freshen it up. I do think sometimes, even as a lifelong golf fan, I'll find myself on a Sunday afternoon or a Saturday afternoon sitting on the couch watching a golf tournament and and falling asleep, taking a nap and inundated with uh, uh, so many commercial breaks that sometimes it's hard to stay in the groove of it all. And so when Augusta comes around and they have their uninterrupted coverage and their limited sponsorships and the top players, it's it's intoxicating and and riveting and you stay tuned to it at all times. So they've certainly figured that out. Now, I I realize the tour needs to, to make some money to be able to pay for all this. The TV contracts, the TV networks rather have to make some money through advertising sales to cover their um, expenses to the PGA tour and the rights that they have purchased. So I get all of that, but um, I, so I don't knock the creativity idea. I just don't know that they really stumbled upon it with shotgun starts and, and 54 holes limited field that, you know, John Rom said it best early on that that didn't feel like real, championship golf to him so yet he took the check and I don't again it's hard to blame him when they throw that kind of money at him but I watched last week I watched the live event in Mexico last week because Pebble Beach got rained out and blown out and so I thought well here's an opportunity for live to showcase itself and they did all finish on 18 and Sergio went into a playoff with Neiman and Neiman ended up winning in the dark and there was some intrigue around that but um I just I just don't feel like it has the PGA Tour has what it needs to have, and live if they want world rankings needs to play in that sort of sandbox. That's my long answer. I, I think that Liv's got to make some adjustments if they're going to get those world rankings, and um, I, I do think for the golf fan, it's important to make sure that the best players in the world are having the opportunity to compete at least on the big stages in the majors. Yeah, uh, you're absolutely. There's no question about it. The points are everything. You know, they've already. Tiger's event had world ranking points. Tiger right. jumped up, you know, I don't, I forget how many spots, which was just crazy with what's the limited field there. 30 players yeah, or something. Have, yeah. Correct. You 20, know, 20, so yeah. it's about 30 players, you know, so they were making that argument early on, but they continued to give points to Tiger's event. But, but so that's a one-off, something. right? I mean, if you're, I'm playing both sides here, that is a one-off. It's not, yeah. that's the entire entirety of it all. Yeah, no, you're right. So, 
So again, uh, how I feel like they have to move to a four round, uh, tournament schedule. I don't know how they're ever going to get points. Do you see yeah. any discussions going on or do you see any movement in any way that's uh, going to allow them to get points without going to four, four round tournaments? Yeah. The discussion that's happening, Bob, you can jump in, but the discussion yeah. is this piff, uh, investment into the PGA tour, right? Cause everyone can say, well, the world golf rankings is independent, but we all know that if the PGA tour and DP world tour have an alliance with PIF, who is running live, that there's going to be some concessions to allow everybody to play fairly, to play, play more nicely together. Let's put it that yeah. way. Yeah. yeah. And, and then the, the other thing that, that deals into that also is the PGA tour, basically having to say so with the with live golf being under the umbrella of the PGA tour enterprises and the PIF. So um, it, it'll be interesting to see how all these parts kind of fit together. If the PGA tour does take the Avenue of taking that money from PIF and uh, just like the investment fund has done as well. Let me ask you this real quick, Keith, do you think, do you think the team event is compelling? Like, is this something as a player that you, you, like what they're doing on the team side? You mean male, female? Or, no, or no, the, no, the live that they have. The, oh, the, no, live, the live, team live teams, yeah. yeah. You know, uh, I, I've i tried to get fired up about it, but it doesn't get, it doesn't have it for me yeah. right now. Yeah. Not yet. The fireballs and, you know, aren't main, you? Mainly, be, the range mainly because we're not hearing enough about it. They just right. don't have enough coverage to get you excited about it. And, you know, I've watched and, seeing the celebration and at the end of the week, they almost make the team event as significant as the overall winner. And they're always all up on the, you know, up on the stand, uh, receiving their victory. So yeah, the podium, I don't know, yeah. you know, way back when we had, uh, we had team events and it was pretty cool. We had teams that we were part of and drafted into, I don't know, Bobby, if you remember that. And, uh, and it was, uh, kind of neat to follow, but it never took on. And, uh, so they kind of let it fall away. So, uh, you know, I remember being drafted by such and such team and, you know, you, you kind of get bothered that you're, you know, you're not in the top two or you you weren't one of the top picks. And yeah, I, I don't know. It was interesting. So, uh, how they, how, how they put that together and if it ever gets real traction has to get more, they just have to get more coverage. Uh, and they're not getting it right now. Now you know about TV uh, contacts with them and contracts. What's what's happening with Live and TV? Nothing right now. Yeah, nothing. nothing CW right thirty. Now. That's it. If you got CW, yeah. you can you can tune in. But otherwise, and, it's online. And Google's and jumped on. Google's jumped on this uh, for this first tournament and probably for this season to um, shot by shot or something like that. Um, but but again, that's that's not. Uh, national television or streaming coverage that's just kind of what you do what what you can what you can see online on their google google site and stuff like that let me ask you a question about um one of the things we've been talking about is this these these player equity in the pga tour and pga tour enterprises there's looks like there's going to be 930 million for four groups um, in this initial, initial player equity grant. I'm, and I mean, that, that number is crazy. You know, we, we remember the, the, um, 
you know, the, the system, the old system where you made 150 cuts and you, you got so much per cut and that kind of thing. And it went into your, your, uh, your retirement fund. And now they're talking about, uh, these four groups. And one of those groups is the legacy group, uh, group number four with, uh, guys that, that 36 players that have helped in building the tour and that kind of thing. Just, just wanted your thoughts about, about this fund and also, uh, the legacy guys, the guys that kind of missed out on that uh, retirement fund with the PGA tour. Yeah. You know, I think, uh, again, it's a wonderful tool, uh, to retain, retain players and to keep them in the game. And I think if they leave, they lose that. Is that not right? So, uh, it, it just allows, I guess, long, the, the very thing players are leaving for with live is this, you know, generational security. And I think what this creates is that very thing on the PGA tour. It's giving people real money. Like, you know, I get a retirement, but it's not enough really to live on. It's, it's nice. And I played 20 plus years and received some from the champions tour. And it's, you know, if, if I wanted, if I had everything paid off in life and wanted to just eat and pay my bills, I could probably make it but they're creating a system that they're going to be making really good income for the rest of their life. And it ties them in and it gets them to buy in to a very, a very comfortable future. And I think that's what these players are kind of wanting. I think it's a good thing. I think it, it, again, it it ties them back. It holds them in a place and it, and it satisfies their need to be protected as years go on. And that's a wonderful thing in any sport, especially as you know, any sport that you can get hurt and be done. You need something that kind of has your back and that's a real gift to the players. So I, I applaud that. Keith Clearwater joining us. So as Bob said, that last group, 75 million in aggregate equity granted to 36 players who were quote instrumental to building the PGA tour based on career performance, unquote. So you've got, you've got, 57 players in the third group, 64 in the second, 36 in the first. And those all kind of address the current players, if you will, the guys that are that are already in the game. Now, right. in this one, it's this legacy group. How in the world, it seems very subjective, Keith, how in the world do you actually determine who these 36 legacy players are? If you say instrumental to building the PGA Tour, to me, that says probably post-1968 when the PGA Tour split from the PGA of America and then based on career performance. If you're thinking based on career performance, are you, are you going wins? Is that – you can't go money because the legacy guys didn't make any – Jack Nicholas didn't That's make right. – Arnold Palmer didn't make as much in his career as what, uh, you know – uh, a guy that finishes 150th on tour today makes in a year, right? Kind of, yeah, I mean, it's probably a stretch, but you get what I'm saying. So it's probably wins. How do you delineate these 36? Where would you start? Yeah, that's a great question. I'd love, love to see the criteria they're working off of. One would have, one category would have to be wins, but also impact. You know, I don't know, are they going to go back and like create a fund for a Payne steward who had such an impact on the game of golf? Uh, he'd have to be considered in that legacy group, wouldn't you think? Uh, you know, somebody who had charisma, who brought people to watch. I don't, I don't know. Uh, is that an area that they would entertain? I don't know. Uh, career wins would certainly be, you know, one of the areas they'd look at. But 
would you have to have five wins, 10 wins? Well, I, again, it's such a challenge to now you're opening up another can of worms because how, how do you, there, there are going to be people left out. They're going to be, it's yeah. like, it's like, you know, giving a speech and thanking everyone there and leaving out three or four people. And those are going to be some loud voices that, you know, would have an argument that they played an equally significant role in developing the tour. You know, I don't know. You could go back to a Billy Casper and say that family needs money to go to them for him being one of the top five in the world all that time. And, uh, I, you know, I don't know where it begins. You said 68. I don't know if it goes back further for those building the career, building the tour. And, uh, it's just such a hard, I don't know how they, how they're going to solve these issues. They're going to have to come out with a criteria that seems to, uh, have maybe five, six, 10 categories and they measure, they're measurable some way. You can't do it if they're not measurable. And, uh, when you start, uh, when you start going to places like, well, he, you know, like a Payne Stewart, I would think he'd get a lot of points for just being a unique guy and bringing a lot of excitement to the game. Uh, again, on and on, uh, those just become tough tough decisions. Yeah. I mean, you look at a guy like Johnny Miller, you know, um, he won 25 times in two majors. Uh, but yeah. obviously he had a huge impact through broadcasting and all that kind of stuff. Yep. That's I, do you take that into account or do you only look at what he did, you know, playing on the course, know, on the golf yeah. course. And, and if Johnny's in at 25 wins, do you go to, you know, VJ at 34 and three majors? Do you go to, you know, uh, certainly, you know, Phil Mickelson at 45, you know, uh, and six, you would say he should be in there, but I'm guessing he's disqualified himself for his role in, in live. Billy Casper sits seventh all time in wins with 51 and three majors. So, you know, do you go back to a, you know, a lot of today's generation doesn't even know who Billy Casper is, but he was obviously instrumental at a time when the money wasn't as big as it is today. Uh, Freddie couples, you know, was, you know, surprisingly, Freddie didn't have a lot of wins in just the one major, but obviously through his, all of his captaincies and things like that and charisma, Freddie was a big part of, um, uh, of an attraction to the PGA tour. So yeah, it's, that's going to be a tough one. I was just kind of curious your thoughts. Cause it's, some people are going to get left out and some feelings are going to get hurt on that one. It does open up a can and you know, you, my feeling is if, if they're not measurable, criteria you're going to have a problem mm -hmm. so somehow they yeah. have to be able to measure it hey keith before we let you go how you been bob says you're working on some things with your it seems like you're always working on your your health and physical fitness so what what, what are you into these days well you know I, i'm still playing some champions tour golf i'm going to go qualify for a few on this west coast i, I look forward to it uh, i'm trying to get my game sharp getting the short game and putting and I, I hit the ball as far as i ever did farther than i ever did so i it's really just getting, becoming a player again, but I'm, I've had the chance, you know, I've been a, a workout nut and a supplement fanatic my whole life. I've carried bag. Bobby will attest to this. I carried a bag of stuff with like 30 different supplements in it and a, and blender, a blender and everything. Suitcase. A blender. Nice. Yeah. Love it. Just all this stuff. So I was all, I'm always been kind of aware of it and, and it's very important to me. And I've had many supplement companies come to me and wanting, you know, Hey, will you just because I always in, was in decent shape and, you know, I worked out one of the first guys to work out on tour and do all that kind of stuff. So, uh, so there was an attraction there, but I never would bite on any of them. Uh, and a company came along cardio miracle, which I got to tell you, if I don't have you two on it in the next little bit, <laughs> I'm going to be very disappointed at our friend, 
because it's the <laughs> finest foundational product you can put in your body. It is a game changer. It's a nitric oxide product that stimulates blood flow and oxygen. It helps recovery, healing. It does just a host of things. You know, I, I'm not going to turn your short time with people here into an infomercial, but I'm going to really encourage people to look up Cardio Miracle, get the information themselves, convince themselves, do the research, and if you put it in your body for a few months, you'll never get off it. It's truly a game changer. You'll feel amazing. Uh, you'll feel vitality. And, and again, getting up out of bed, to me, the whole thing is feeling like you want to live life and get after it. And this truly changes that because it increases blood flow. It, my blood pressure came down dramatically into normal ranges. I always have high blood pressure in spite of everything I did and took. So this really gives you an opportunity, you know, for those our age to have a second chance to feeling good. I play three hours of pickleball in the morning every day. I, I'm passionate about it. I'm playing a lot of golf. So take a look. I'll give it a look. Hey, look, I turn 50 next month. So uh, when you say our age, I'm not exactly <laughs> there, but I'm at least I'm champions tour age bracket here coming up. So. Sorry, Brian, you're in that group now. You're right with us. Not letting you off. Fair enough. Keith, thanks so much for your time, man. Always great to visit with you. Thanks for t uh, spending an extended amount, and we'll look forward to catching up with you again real soon. You guys, you're, you're the two best in the business, and uh, just love hearing, hearing from you whenever you have something to say. So thanks for having me on. You got it. Keith Clearwater, two-time winner on the PGA Tour.